lot of that. Um, so the response, uh, the, the, uh, the word is hallelujah. They would say it when they were introducing themselves. And the response is amen or amin. And uh, it was just really uh, a joy uh, to be part of those services. And yes, thank you, Kimberly, for making note of the fact that um, I was not responsible for the duration uh, of those services. So when you, when you come and join us in January, on January 14th at 6.30, uh, you're going to hear lots of, of uh, storytelling and, and uh, we'll show some pictures. But also we're tackling another part of the uh, discussion is uh, why global missions? Why is the church involved? Why is Westview interested in, in, in desirous and engaged in global missions? Why do global missions? That's a, that's a real question. And why Rwanda? That's another very valid question. So find uh, more information uh, when you join us January 14th. So this morning, uh, a question I want to bring before you is, um, this: to start with, what, what is God want? What is his aim or his purpose? Now, we could probably answer that in a general sense, generally, but um, what about specifically? What is God's will specifically? Uh, you have uh, very specific circumstances in life. Family matters. A son or a daughter that you're concerned about, or a, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, Work situations, school, someone, a, a, a romantic interest, or you're facing health issues. What is God's will? What will it take for you and I? What will it take for us to discern God's will? Embedded in that very question is the idea that we can so this morning, as we unpack this, I want to also just let you know that we will pause a, a, a little ways in for what we call Q&R, where it's your opportunity. You can text or email questions to us at ask at westviewchurch.ca, text or email, and we will uh, take some of those questions. Or you can stand where you are, and uh, Tyler will bring a microphone to you, and you can ask your question. But we want you to engage with this. And we often find that people have a question and they ask it in the uh, foyer. But we invite you to ask it here because if you have that question, most likely someone else or many other people do as well. And we want to interact with you on this matter of how or what does it take to discern God's will. We're in, uh, I'm going to open up the, the book of Romans in a moment. And Paul, in writing the book of Romans, spends the first 11 chapters in some um, uh, fairly um, dense theological or doctrinal writing. It's, a, it's a, essentially almost like a legal treatise if I was trying to describe the literary genre. And he goes into some great theological and doctrinal uh, content. And that's good, it's necessary, it's important. Theology and doctrine undergirds our beliefs. But theology or doctrine alone is also could be ruinous. It can turn into systems and rules. It can be just mystic and, and abstract and leave us wondering. Maybe it's just rote practices. And so uh, that was a, a risk or a danger as Paul is writing this to 
uh, his audience, as he writes in Romans, the first 11 chapters, there is a danger to learned theology. There's a danger to learned theology that it can become barren intellectual assent, that it's a subject only. Oh, as I said, it is important and it's necessary, but left to its own, it remains simply information or data. And that can be easily then dismissed. Or it can become a sense of, it's just a religion. And if it's just theological and information and data, and it's just a religion, then it could be any religion. And it becomes entirely impersonal if it's left only to our intellectual uh, assent. COVID, brothers and sisters, exposed this reality. Uh, COVID exposed this idea that people could sit in a church congregation leading up to COVID and uh, essentially um, acquire some theological information and knowledge, but then drift away from worship and praise and following Jesus Christ or attending church. So COVID has actually exposed both the strength and the weaknesses of theology in combination with living it out. And actually, that is the point, isn't it? That the questions that you and I have come out of our lived experience. When I talk to people and when I sit as a participant observer in different discussions, regardless of whether it's a professor or a theologian or a scholar, espousing knowledge and information, people in the congregation or in the audiences, when they stand to ask a question, most of the time it comes out of their lived experience. It's a question that has to do with the way we are living. The response to that question, how we respond to these questions that come from the way we live, how we respond to them is from our understanding, our theological and doctrinal understanding. So then life, in a sense, is the thin edge of the wedge. We begin with our life experience, and that raises certain questions. And then from there, we begin to refer to the theology or beliefs or the worldview that we have. So now turning to Paul in the first 11 chapters of Romans, he begins by laying down the foundation, the, the, the groundwork, the initial bricks of this theology, and he lays that down in describing what Jesus is like, what God is like, his character of grace and mercy and love, so we understand what God is like through Christ Jesus. He then lays down further the, God's providence in the world, the way God works in the world. And we understand about forgiveness and about something called justification and something called sanctification and all of these things. He lays them down. But then turning in chapter 12 of, the, of Romans, he begins to now speak about practical ways of how this works in our life. what we might call Christian ethics. Christian ethics, the way we live. The way we live as followers of Jesus is based on a theology. The way you live is based on your theology, which is understood through Christ Jesus. 
He is the lens by which we use to interpret Scripture and life itself. And so no wonder then at the beginning of chapter 12, the beginning of this, from this theological bedrock to swiveling to understand the practical way to live this out, he begins by addressing this question, how can we discern God's will in very practical ways? So turn with me to Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. He says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you. I urge you to live out the gospel you have received. And I appeal to you and I urge you, sisters and brothers, because of the vast, extravagant mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ, the mercies that He has bestowed upon us, he says, present your bodies. The Greek word is soma. It is definitely different than sarx, which is flesh. It's not just the physical. Soma is the whole body, your whole selves. Present your whole selves. And then he completely upends the concept of sacrifice. When these people are hearing this, he says, present your bodies, your whole selves, as a living sacrifice. Up until this point, they understood sacrifice as something where they would kill and they would take an animal and they would present the animal and they were taking life. And now he says, no, I want you to present your whole self as a living sacrifice. You're giving life as opposed to taking life. A living sacrifice. As you have life, it becomes you, your whole self. You are the sacrifice. As you present your whole selves by the mercies of God. A living sacrifice. Which is your spiritual. That word logikos. Logikos is the Greek word. Now, in our translations, we have different words, English words, like, you know, reasonable or rational or spiritual. But the Greek word is logikos, which in the root of it is logos. Really, if we were getting accurate with this, your spiritual worship is your word worship, your wordy worship, your Jesus worship, your gospel worship. This is your gospeling. When you give your whole life, you are gospeling. Logikos. Worship. Imagine, this is your worship. 
This is your ministry. This is your service. This is the way you venerate the Lord. And it sounds like and is like that of Jesus Christ himself, the Son of Man who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what Paul is doing in verse 1 in saying this is this logikos worship is he's saying follow Jesus because this is precisely what the Son of Man Jesus did is he presented himself before people but to the Heavenly Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He presented his entire self. Logikos. This is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world. So remember, we're working on the question, how do we discern, what will it take to discern God's will? So we've heard him already say a certain amount about presenting as a logikos, as a, as a gospeling. Then he says in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what he's doing here is he's comparing these two vastly different persuasions. He says, do not be conformed. And if you remember when I introduced this at the beginning of our year, our year called transformed, when I introduced this and I brought out that green jello mold, uh, To be conformed. This is what he's talking about. We can be conformed by this world. Where our lives are shaped and formed by what's going on here. Conformed by this world. Or he says the word is I own. Is the Greek word I own. Which means this age. This age that we're in. This age that is filled with spiritual forces of wickedness. This age that is battling against our creator itself. We need to be aware and awakened to the reality of the spiritual forces of wickedness in this aeon, this ion that we are in. And he says we can be conformed to this world. He says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed. The Greek word is metamorpho. It's where we get metamorphosis from. Be transformed. Be changed. Be remodeled. And in here, he has in view a, the kingdom come persuasion. The, 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 the theology might be the eschatological. But in other words, that kingdom come, that's what's persuading our transformation. We're not going to be conformed. He doesn't, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the world that is yet to come, but is already present in its coming through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be transformed, metamorpho, remodeled by that. Be transformed by the renewing. Renewing. Changed. In a superior way. Renovated. 
so that you can discern, so that you can test, you can examine, you can determine and decide what is good, so that you can test and determine and decide God's will. And here's the good news. That God wants you and I and us to know His will. The Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to what? Is to lead us and guide us. And to enable us and to give us discernment so that we can know God's will. That is the good news. So to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. To be transformed, to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus is transforming. So he is inviting us, Paul is inviting his hearers, and he's inviting us to live the theology that we have been taught, to embody the gospel. And so what will it take for you and I to discern God's will in the specific and particular circumstances of life that you are in? That you are living your lives and you are desirous to know God's will, His purpose, and His aim in those particular circumstances. And brothers and sisters, what it will take is a renovation of your mind. It will take some interior redesign. No, this is not a crash cart. Someone asked. You and I are living our lives. And if I was to use this house as an illustration of our lives, we were using something similar, well, in drawing form. I didn't bring this with me to Rwanda. But we were using a similar metaphor also in Rwanda. But if you're living your lives and you're, you're, uh, this house represents your life and the idea is, he says, uh, Paul says in Romans, to present your whole self, present yourself. But where's the actual living going on? What is this house? Where is the living of your life going on? We see what's on the outside. We see what, but what's this house all about? Where's the living? The living, brothers and sisters, is on the inside. This is where the living is happening. This is representative of our minds. And there's all kinds of things going on, all kinds of thoughts going on. There's all kinds of furniture and thoughts and ideas that are in your mind. TV on the deck. Why not? And what Paul is saying, if you want to actually honestly discern what is the will of God, then you're going to need to do some interior redesign. You're going to need to do some renovating of your thought life. 
and what your emotions are doing. Uh, in our neighborhood, there's a renovator uh, working on a house. It feels like they've been there for eight or ten months at least. Like they're, uh, and it's just ongoing and ongoing. And at first I thought, huh, that's like, oh no, right? There's a, you know, a renovator who's basically uh, like sleeping at your house now. But the Holy Spirit is actually the, to, meant to be our resident renovator doing interior redesign. Because friends, we just have to admit, all of us, that our minds and our thought life is corrupt. It isn't perfect and it isn't pure. It's both corrupt and it's corruptible. You have thoughts that are not helpful or healthy and shouldn't be there and you're going to need to do something about it. And not only is there things that we need to clean up and renovate and change, but there are also things, that, thoughts and ideas and, and, and values that we need to put in in exchange and not just leave it empty. What he is saying is to actually discern God's will, we need to do some interior redesign. And we ask the question, when he talks about a, uh, this, this question of knowing God's will, knowing God's will and doing this interior redesign necessarily means having a relationship with the Lord. Uh, people will ask uh, the question, well, what is God's purpose and what is God's aim and what does he want anyway? But if they are asking that question and they are outside of a relationship with the Lord, then really it's not a question that is looking for an answer. It's more accusatory than it is inquisitive. If you want to know what someone else's purposes or ideas are, you need to be in relationship with them. When we were uh, in Rwanda, and we were talking with various pastors and so on. One of the things they taught us, they said, how can you, one of their uh, uh, points was that you need to be in relationship with somebody if you're going to forgive them. How can you forgive somebody you do not know? How can you love somebody if you do not have a relationship with them? Not only be in relationship with them, but you need to be close. So for the Holy Spirit to do renovating in our minds and in our internal lives, we have to have a relationship with Him. We have to be willing to present ourselves to Him and be open to having Him do some renovation in our interior lives, in our minds. And this is daily. Present ourselves over the, the daily course of life. When we think about worship... Unfortunately, what has happened since the late 80s or early 90s when worship music, worship music came into the forefront as being fancy. There's always been worship music. Um, Moses and, and the Israelites, when they crossed the Red Sea and they got to the other side, there was worship music. In fact, they were dancing. There's been worship music since people started following God. But what happened is we started to equate music with worship and make it synonymous to the point now where I heard a pastor several years ago at a wedding ceremony say, we're going to do a bit of worship and then we're going to get to the rest of the service. What? What Paul is saying is that you give your whole life on a daily basis and this is your, when you are doing this, you're gospeling, that's worship. 
So when you are paying your taxes, when you are guiding your children, when you are at work, when you are at school, when you're in the grocery store, when you are um, applying for another class, when you are taking a break, when you are strolling in the woods, all of that is presenting yourselves. And when you are presenting yourselves to him and having him be part of all of that, you are worshiping in the daily course of your life. You are gospeling. You are living the gospel. And it's then that we begin to get to a point where we can begin to discern God's will. But all of that, sisters and brothers, is a choice. It's a choice. You you don't have to. The, 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 The challenge with desiring to know God's will is that we have to acknowledge that we have a will too. We have a volition. We have the ability to choose for better or worse. Giving your life to the Lord on a daily basis is a choice. Being open to being remodeled and being transformed is a choice. But if you choose to do that, you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, you are following Jesus, and you will be enabled to discern God's will in your life. I want to pause here just for a moment for some, some Q&R, some question and response, and then we're going to wrap this up. We have a few more things that we want to do here this morning, give you an opportunity to respond, but if you have some questions, text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca. Oh, I, I almost went off there. It's like the sound guy said, Coop, you're done. <laughs> it's the electronic way of getting the hook. Um, I, I feel like I've been speaking kind of uh, loudly. Um, I, I get passionate. Um, I, I hope you're not taking it as me shouting. I'm not shouting. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I get passionate. Um, I, uh, the, and, and you know, I met some of my brothers and sisters in Christ when we were in Rwanda because I'm quiet. <laughs> Like, I, I just hang out with, like, you know, oh, man. It gets, even just in the vehicle with two pastors in the front and me in the back, it can get pretty loud. And, and there's like three or four languages going on, French and Kinyarwanda and, and English and some other stuff. And anyway, uh, praise the Lord. So I hope you receive this with the intent that it's passionate, not something else. Well, the questions are coming, so let's get going okay. here. All right. How do we explain the belief that God's will is somewhat hidden and we are to be seeking it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of this this, uh, aspect. How how do we sort of balance this idea that God's will is is hidden um, and we are to seek it? So that's really good. Um, You know, I think of... uh, I think of Old Testament passages and New Testament passages... um, 
You know, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. In the Old Testament, Jesus says in the New Testament, um, ask, the door shall be opened. Seek and you will find. Knock. So he's inviting us to, to, to investigate. He's inviting us absolutely to investigate and to, to seek it, that out. So yes, I believe that there is this relationship that is there. That he does have a will and a purpose for us as a church, for you as individuals. But it does require choice on our part and a willingness to follow Jesus Christ. Remember, this is about following Jesus. I don't use the word believer or Christian as much as I use the term follower of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And so we follow, we submit ourselves, and then he promises by the Holy Spirit to give us that understanding of his will. And we could say absolutely that there are some aspects of God's will that will be shrouded. That we will not necessarily understand and have a full and complete picture of everything. 1 Corinthians 13, now I see through a mirror dimly, but then I shall see face to face. But to the extent that we need to know God's will in order to live our lives and follow Jesus, that will be given. That's good. The Holy Spirit would be doing a lifelong interior design. But in the meantime, how do we keep from relapsing to the old self? Because until we start to see progress as humans, sometimes we start to question the process. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a lifelong thing. Amen. Um, you know... I'm preaching to myself as, as much as I'm preaching to you. The scripture is preaching to me. Uh, I'm, you know, over 40. <laughs> <laughs> they muted my microphone. <laughs> they turned me off. <laughs> a pastor grew up in a, in, a, in a Christian home, and the work is still going on. The Holy Spirit has still got plenty of work in my life. So yes, it's an, it's an ongoing work. And so part of this... I, to acknowledge that. Give me the rest of that question again. They're going to turn my mic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, okay, it's working now. In the meantime, how do we keep from relapsing yes. to the old self in the midst of that renovation? Yeah, yeah, so relapsing. And, and so this is work that is necessary. This interior redesign is necessary work. And I'm going to talk about some, some specific steps that we can do. But realize and recognize that it's necessary work. And so when you walk into a physical room in your uh, uh, home right now, let that be a, a, a little sign for you. You know what? I see this physical room, but there's this room, this space called my, my thought life, my mind, and I need to do some cleanup. If I walked into your living room right now, is there a chance that you might want to do some cleanup, that some cleanup is necessary? What about your kitchen? What about your bedroom? What about your bathroom? It does require that on an ongoing basis. That's the reality of our minds as well. And I'm going to talk to that in, in just a, a, another minute or two. But it's necessary and it's possible. But it's enabled by the Holy Spirit. We can't might, like, muscle that ourselves. You can't like, just try harder. Please hear me on this. This isn't like try harder. This is like, Holy Spirit, I just give myself to you. Your will is to lead and guide so when you pray, 
We don't need to pray, Lord, guide me or lead me or those things. That's his will. That's what he wants to do. He will do that. We could be praying, give me a porous heart. Give me a porous posture that I'm willing to receive the guidance that you give. Give me a sense of courage to follow the guidance that you're giving me. Give me a gift of discernment so I can detect better the leading that you are giving me. It should shape the way we pray. Yeah. One more here. Does God have a specific will for my life? Or is it more in a general terms of love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? How, how specific is that will for a person's life? Or... Yeah, that's good. Um, how specific is God's will? So yes, the, the great command, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two depend all the law and the prophets. So yes, good, general. But the Lord also has a specific will for each of us and for all of us. He formed you. He stitched you together. He knows your name. He has called you or is calling you, redeemed you and called you by name and you are his. And he has a purpose and a will and a desire for you and your life and the circumstances that you are experiencing, both the bad and the good. God has a will and a purpose. He knows you. He sees you. He loves you. Amen. So it is general and specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One final comment. Okay. Comment, a bit of a question, but a comment as well. So discern this. But Baptists tend toward reforming themselves continuously, in my experience. Doesn't mm. Paul say it's simpler than that? Even transformation is God's work in us. We need to practice discerning and acquiescing, not doing, but being. Mm. God can hang on to us. Well, that's good. Yeah, thank you for that, that comment. And, and I think there too, so thanks, T.Y. Um, I, I, listen, I, I, I agree that this idea that, you know, not trying harder, but being receptive and porous to the work of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we, we need to adjust the way we pray. God, by the Holy Spirit, is here with us right now. His presence is here. His presence is with my sisters and brothers in Kigali. And Nehemiah, his presence. So we don't need to pray, Lord, be present here. He is present. Lord, help me to be aware of your presence. Help me to acknowledge your presence. His will is to lead us and guide us in your daily life, in the circumstances that you are living in. So you don't need to pray, Lord, will you please lead me and guide me in my life right now or in this circumstance? It's already his will and his desire to do. What is the orientation of our prayer life then? Lord, there are ideas and thoughts that are in my life that I need to get rid of. And I need to put some good things and thoughts in there. I understand, Lord, that your will is to lead and guide me. Lord, I need better discernment so I can tell your voice. I can recognize your voice. 
Lord, I need courage when I'm hearing what you're saying. When you say, call that person and apologize. Uh, help that person with their groceries get to the car. I need to have courage to follow the leading that you are already providing. I want to invite the music team to come up. Uh, I want to invite us to two steps here. We're calling this transformation, be transformed or transformed is the theme for this year. So the steps in, in this process, one is identifying your thoughts. The work of actually identifying what is, what is all the furniture and what are all the thoughts that you have in your life right now. There are some that are uh, fairly prevalent thoughts that you have. Those, I would say, are maybe on the coffee table in your mind. They're pretty obvious. They're, you know, pretty quick. You, you can identify what those thoughts are. But then you have thoughts also that are uh, stuck in, in a, a closet somewhere or stuck in a shelf somewhere. Those are thoughts that you've put there and you want to keep there and you want to just re refer to those every once in a while, but you may need to get rid of those too. And I want to tell you something, friends. Bad is stronger than good. So the bad thoughts that you have are more permanently etched into your furniture than good. That's why gospel is called good news. We need to be effortful in wrestling out the bad and replacing it with good news. That's going to take effort to identify those thoughts. The other challenge is that we have kind of what's called selective attention. You're kind of selective in the thoughts that you want to deal with. Yeah, I want to clean this up, but I don't want to clean this up. Yeah, that one's easy. So it's effortful. The second step after you do some identifying some of the thoughts is the process of doing this work of interior redesign by capable, enabled by the Holy Spirit, and it requires conversation. Conversation with the Lord, being open with the Lord, talking with the Lord. Here are the thoughts that I have. Here's what's going on in my mind. And conversation, and maybe that's journaling in your prayer life, writing stuff down because you're not so good verbally or when you're out on a hike and you're talking to the Lord and maybe you need a journal and write stuff down. But it also means talking with other people, being in community and the art of dialogue that has been eroded and under attack in the last couple of decades, but actually the ability to talk with other people about the thought life that you have and being willing to be vulnerable, be willing to be a trusted space where you can talk with other people about the thoughts that you have and in community with followers of Jesus. Do the work. And together we will discern God's will for our lives. And you might wonder, well, what are some good things to put in? Well, remember, we just went through the Beatitudes series. We started there in our year of Be Transformed. We started with the Beatitudes. That's a good place to start is in terms of, you know, from general to medium general. But there's a list, and you received, uh, this morning you received from the ushers a one-page document that listed the Beatitudes. 
receive this. And in the back is a list of Beatitudes. You know that the word attitude means to rearrange parts. So even in ballet terms, there's a, I won't do an attitude right now, but it, it looks something like that. But I want you to take this home and consider these different aspects of your thought life and, and how you're doing. But I'm going to do something even more, and I'm, I'm calling this Commitment Sunday because in this year called Transformed, I'm inviting us. This isn't just a TED Talk with some music. I'm inviting us as a community into the prospect of being transformed, of taking action, getting involved and engaged with the gospel, gospeling the gospel. So you also have this prayer card. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a minute and consider these Beatitudes. And is there one that you are desirous of, the, that you want the Lord to increase in your life? Just pick one that you want the Lord. I mean, there could be many, but pick one that you want the Lord to increase in your life. And you can write it on your sheet. But I also want you to write it on this prayer card. Now, I'm going to put these baskets out here. And I'm going to invite you, once you've written that on your prayer card, there's no name on there. As your act of commitment this morning, as your act to say, look, I want to take a step I want you to just take one step towards being transformed this year. I want to gospel the gospel. I want you to write that on that card, and I want you to put it in these baskets. And the elders and the pastors are going to pray through these. We don't know your names as you're putting these in here. That doesn't matter. You're going to write it on your sheet that you're taking home to do so you know, and you're going to put the card in here, and we're going to be praying through that. As you're praying it, the elders and the pastors are going to pray it, and it's a form of making a commitment this day on November 26, 2023, in this year of to be transformed, that you want to take this step. So the music team's going to bless worship music over you as you come here and put those prayer cards in the basket. Just stand up where you are. Just bring them on over. Someone needs to break the ice and get this ball rolling. Yes and amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Glorify yourself in our midst here this morning. We want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We want to gospel the gospel. We want to follow Jesus. We want to put ourselves in your hands this morning. Holy Spirit, guide us and lead us. Give us conviction, Lord. Give us courage, Lord.
facing the challenges of life. There are a lot of conundrums or things we don't understand. So we need your guidance. We need to be changed. So glorify yourself, Lord, in our midst here this morning, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we, we, we testify that you gave yourself fully to our Heavenly Father. And we want to follow you. And we understand, Lord Jesus, that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that you were able to do what you did. And that same Holy Spirit, we understand, is present with us here as we gather and as we go about our days. Your Holy Spirit is present in our homes, in our workplaces, in the grocery store, in the garden shop. It is your Holy Spirit that is present. We'll leave these baskets here. You can bring them up anytime.